0: How are you doing today? You're in the right place. If you had a great week, what a better place to come than to give God the glory and celebrate. If you've had a terrible week, you're in the right place. This is a good place to be renewed and to, uh, pick your faith up. If you don't have a faith, it's a good time to connect with Jesus Christ and to meet the Lord who can change your life. So I want to encourage you and thank you for being here today. I like news. Uh, I like the news a lot and, uh, I was intrigued this week, it seemed to me, and this may just be me, but it seemed like there was a lot of unusual news. And uh, you may have seen the headline, there were a couple of headlines actually in the Pasadena Star News recently about honey in somebody's house. Did anybody see that? There's a house in San Marino that's got honey in it. Gives new meaning to home sweet home, doesn't it? And then there's a church that uh, has, it says, a honey of a problem. Somewhere in the area there is a church that has honey in it. Uh, that's not a bad idea either. It must not be a Baptist church. But uh, oh, Methodist, somebody says, they're sweeter than the Baptists. Huh? Anyhow, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have some honey in churches as well. Uh, but I was just kind of intrigued by that. And then there was another article. I, I didn't clear this, so I'm probably going to get in trouble. But did you hear the story about the person that was on the toilet seat for two years? You could get a lot of reading done in two years, couldn't you? Oh, let's move along. Anyhow, um, I want to say this, and this is much more serious and much more important. Uh, This is our week. You understand that right now. Beginning today with Palm Sunday, this is our week. I mean, there is no greater week. I know Christmas has more commercial success, but there's no greater week for a follower of Jesus than this week. And I hope that I never lean on you or guilt trip you into something, but if I could use guilt or lean on you or whatever I can use this week, I think you really need to set aside this week and be here. We've got lots of services. You probably can't be at all of them. But I especially want to say something about um, our Good Friday service. We've got a Good Friday uh, community service with a variety of pastors. will be in the chapel. That'll be from 12 to 1 on Good Friday. And then we have seven hours of prayer from one o'clock to eight o'clock. You can come and pray. Now, I know some of you say, what would I do? Just sit there by myself. You know, I can't imagine it would be, what would I do? And I simply want to say this to you. There will be a guide there so you can have some suggested readings. One of the things you should do is read through the story of Jesus' crucifixion. That's why you're here. So you can read that gospel account and just sit and be with the Lord and pray. And, And I... I guarantee you, if you'll carve out some time, whether it's 10 minutes or 30 or an hour, whatever you choose, if you'll come, the Lord's going to speak to you. You're going to be amazed at how important it is to be silent before the Lord and to worship the Lord, to express your faith, to read again the story. Uh, I really want to encourage you to set aside some time, sometime on Good Friday, to worship the Lord. It's a critical day. It's what our faith is all about. So let me encourage you. I'm hoping for 100 people to come to our prayer vigil. That's what we're calling it. And I encourage you to sign up at the table afterwards. Uh, If you didn't sign up, come anyhow. You don't have to sign up to come. Just show up when you want and stay as long as you want, as short as you want, and then leave. But I really encourage you to participate in this time of prayer and worship on Good Friday. And then one other comment. What time do we gather here for Easter Sunday service? Ten o'clock. Turn to your neighbor and say, see you uh, at ten o'clock or before next week. It's not 1030, and we've got a lot of things. You've got the information, so uh, be aware of that. And also, finally, I hope you are carrying these little cards. Whoops, I laid all my stuff on the bench. The little invite cards. This is the week we've been praying for people in our lives who are not a part of a church. And this is the week to give them that card and say, I really hope you can be there. You've been praying some fo- for some folks. I've been praying for some folks. We've asked you to fill out those green invite cards. Our staff has been praying. Where's Rachel Pena? Rachel, are you here today? Where are you, Rachel? She may be with the kids, actually. Anyhow, Rachel Pena, we went through her list. She had 25 people she's praying for to invite to church. Wow. Uh, that's a good standard for us to uh, aim for, and I just wanted to celebrate her doing this. Let's pray as we begin our time in the Word. Heavenly Father, uh, we pray in this moment that we could set aside the distractions of life, the important things of life, just all that we carry into this room. Help us to focus for these moments on this day when you first entered the city of Jerusalem so long ago. Help us to carry forth from it some, some learning. Help us to worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to put a picture up. Who is this? Ah, how many of you knew who Elliot Spitzer was before the last few weeks? Not very many of us. If I had asked you a few Sundays ago, who is the governor of New York, I doubt that many people, if any of you, could have said the governor is Elliot Spitzer. Now, a few may have, but most of us had no clue who this man was a few weeks ago. Let me read you a quote. Elliot Spitzer is a temperamental temperamentally un... Let me start over. Elliot Spitzer, who is temperamentally unable to stay out of the headlines for more than 72 hours, is back in them again. No, that wasn't written recently. That was written by Daniel Gross on October 21st, 2004. Interesting. Who is Elliot Spitzer? He was born in the Bronx. His father was a real estate tycoon. His mother was an English literature professor. He graduated from both Princeton and Harvard. And, of course, he was a district attorney who did lots of things as as an attorney in New York. One of the things he did was to bring down the Gambino family, a mob family. Now, of course, he's the former governor of New York State. He's married to a Harvard law professor. He has teenage daughters. And a few years ago, Time magazine called him Wall Street's top cop. But really, who is he? Don't you wonder who he really is? How did he and his wife get along? What did his girls, teenage daughters, think about him before this event? Was he fun to be around? Who is Elliot Spitzer? Now let me give you another picture. Who's this? Another picture. a classic picture, and another picture. Who is this? It's Jesus, of course. You instantly recognize these various depictions of who Jesus is or what he might have looked like. Now, today is Palm Sunday, and the Christian church in the West is celebrating Palm Sunday, and next week we'll celebrate Easter. Our Orthodox or Eastern brothers and sisters, they don't celebrate Easter until April 27th this year. There's a huge gap. And by the way, you will never experience this early an Easter again in your life. It won't happen again for 99 years. The earliest Easter can actually be is March 22nd, so I'm told. And the last time anybody experienced Easter this early, the last time? The last time was in 1913. I don't know uh, if anybody remembers that or not. But uh, anyhow, it's an early Easter. And this is Palm Sunday, the the kickoff, really, to what we call the Holy Week or Passion Week or the beginning. Now, if you don't mind, there's a Bible in front of you. Maybe you have your Bible. But I'd like to look for a moment at Matthew chapter 21. All four Gospels tell this story. There aren't many stories outside of the crucifixion of Jesus that all four Gospels tell. But this is one of them. And in Matthew 21, on page 23 in the New Testament, we have this story. And it begins as Jesus has traveled the 15 or so miles up from Jericho to Jerusalem. He's outside the city. He's at a place called the Mount of Olives. You've all heard of that. And he's at a place where he can look over the city. And Jesus takes the initiative. As you read the Gospels, it's always rather strange. He seems to be very secretive about who he is. No longer. Things have changed. So Jesus takes the lead, and he actually tells two of his followers, I want you to go into the city and get a donkey and bring it back, and I'm going to ride it into the city. And so he gives these directions, and he prepares, he, he initiates this. Now, as he takes this initiative, I just a sidebar comment, how many of you own something? You own something, you own the clothes on your back, you may have come in a car, you own, you own something. Put your hands up, that's a uh, uh, good exercise for you, thanks. If you're a follower of Jesus... You can expect Jesus to want to use what you own. The person who owned these animals, they are two mentioned in Matthew, a donkey and a colt. By the way, that's just never bothered me. People write a lot about that. I don't think they've ever been around animals. This is not so uncommon. So the two animals come back to Jesus, and Jesus gets on the colt eventually. But uh, there's nothing much said about the owner. They just go and say, Jesus has need of this, and I guess... He said, sure, but these animals are taken from the owner and given to Jesus, and he uses them. So if you own property, it's not uncommon for Jesus to want to use what you have. Now, as they do that, I want to draw your attention to verse 4, because as this is going on, the writer of the story here, Matthew, wants you and I to understand what everybody understood at that time, but we may not. And he says in verse 4, this took place to fulfill what had been spoken. And he mentions the prophet Zechariah. And if you wanted to look back in Zechariah 9.9, 9, it might take you the rest of the day to find it. But back in the Old Testament, there was a prophecy about the Messiah coming into Jerusalem. And, and you, you know Jerusalem is called the city of God, the holy city, Zion. All these words mean Jerusalem. And the prophet said the Messiah, or God's chosen one, God's anointed one, would come into the city riding on a donkey. And so Matthew reaches back into the Jewish scripture and pulls this out. And he said, when this happened to Jesus on that first Palm Sunday, it's exactly what the prophet said would happen. Now, in verse 5, read, look with me at this scripture. Tell the daughter of Zion, this is the quote from the Old Testament. Tell the daughter of Zion... Look, your king is coming to you, humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The word humble is the word I want to highlight for a moment. Normally when you expect a king coming, it's sort of like shock and awe, you know that. The king is going to come in with power. This one comes in not for domination, but for salvation. This one comes not to the prosperous, but to the poor. And as Jesus comes in on this donkey, it's a symbol of peace. And He comes as the Messiah, and He's open about that all of a sudden. And it says He comes humble. And the word is the same word Jesus used in His most famous sermon when He said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You remember that beatitude. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the gentle. Later in Matthew 11, Jesus gives what we call the Great Invitation, where he invites people to become followers of him, and he says, "Come to me." Jesus' words, and then he he self describes. He said, "For I am what meek and lowly, and you'll find rest for your soul. I'm gentle. It's the same word. I'm humble." And still later, now we see that he comes in and this prophecy says the Messiah will be humble. He will be gentle. When Paul writes to Timothy, he tells him six things he's supposed to do, the last of which is to be a gentleman, be gentle with people. And when Simon Peter, you know Simon Peter, when he's writing his letter, he said, you know, you adorn yourself. You put on a watch, you put on earrings, you put on jewelry, you adorn yourself. Well, Peter says when you adorn yourself, adorn yourself with humility, gentleness, meekness. It all comes from from Jesus, this one who comes as Messiah. So the Scripture says he comes into Jerusalem that day. It says, look, your king comes to you humble, mounted on this animal of peace. Now, as Jesus comes into town, uh, there's one other thing I want to highlight. You're very familiar with the story. I don't think we need to take a lot of time on it. But as Jesus comes into town, in verse 9, it says, the crowds went ahead of him, and and they followed after him. I want to comment. This, this is Steve, okay? You, you figure out what you think. Here's what I think. I've often heard preachers say on Palm Sunday and at other times, the crowds came in and they shouted, Hosanna! Praise Jesus! And they're all enthusiastic for Jesus, but they're fickled because on Good Friday, what did they shout then? Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Now, here's what I think. I don't think it's the same crowd. I just don't believe that. I've heard many preachers tell me this, the crowd's changed. They changed their minds about Jesus. You know what I picture on this Sunday, this day? I picture a woman who is just uh, ecstatic with joy because she says, Here's Jesus, Hosanna, Son of David. This is the one that casts demons out of me. I'm free. And she's got a big old smile and she's as happy as she can be because of what Jesus has done for her. I picture some people there who were lepers, and they're also shouting at the top of their voice, Hosanna, because they met Jesus and they were outcasts. They had scabs and sores and they couldn't be with their families anymore. And after Jesus, their skin was clean, they went home, they were happy and they loved Jesus. Crippled people who couldn't walk are now walking and running and saying, Hosanna. And they're throwing their coats down in front of Him and after Him and they're taking the palm branches By the way, we need about 10 foot branches. You know, They're big palms and they're waving them and throwing branches on the roads before and after Jesus. This is a party that breaks out in the streets. This is made up of people whose lives have been changed by Jesus and I think they love Jesus. And I don't think they said crucify Him a few days later. I think their hearts were broken when He died. So they come into town uh, shouting Hosanna and celebrating Jesus Christ. Now, one more verse to look at in, uh, in the last part of this section, verse 10. It says, "When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil." Now you could say the whole city of Atlanta today is in turmoil, or in New York City. There've been bad things happen there. The city's shaken up. The word here, "turmoil," is the word for earthquakes. It's shaken up. It's stirred. It's moved. It says the whole city is in turmoil. Why? They had a question what 's the question? Who is this? who is this and that 's the question I want for us to think about this morning. who is this? Who is Jesus for you? Who do you think Jesus is now, as we get into this uh, question a bit, this Palm Sunday question, and by the way, only Matthew has this part of the story in there um, Question, if you were to go around our country with a camera and ask people, Who is Jesus? What do you think they'd say? Just, what do you think they'd say? People in our country. Son of God, okay. Prophet. What? Savior. Teacher. God. I am in church. Are you folks clueless? A great man, there we go. Who, you know, a random sample. Some people would say what we've said, but what else would they say about Jesus? A myth, a deceiver, good. What else? A philosopher. Anything else you want to put out there? Teacher, Messiah. Yeah, they'd say all these things. There's... Son of Mary. There's no, there's no wrong answer here. They would really say. Uh, you could find people who would say almost anything. Uh, Dan Kimball, I've referred to his book. He's a pastor up in Santa Cruz. And he went on to the university campus there with a camera. And he asked a couple questions. One is, one question was, what do you think when you hear the name Jesus? And then he asked a follow-up question. What do you think when you hear the word Christian? We're not going to talk about what they said about that. Very different. But when you ask university students, this is on a secular campus, what they thought when they heard the name Jesus... Here's what he says. The answers were surprising and fascinating in in response to this question. Some said, he is beautiful. He is a wise man. He is like a shaman or a guru. He came to liberate women. I want to be like him. One girl said, he was enlightened and I'm on the way to becoming a Christian. Another student said, with great emotion, I love Jesus. So, one perspective about uh, who Jesus is in our country. Who do people think Jesus is? Now, he also goes on to tell later in the book that uh, he's in a store and he's thinking about this question. What what do people think of Jesus? And while he's in the supermarket, he sees a magazine and on the front is the uh, person, Pamela Anderson. You know who Pamela Anderson is? And she's wearing a T-shirt and as he looks at her T-shirt, he starts to squint and he says, That looks like Jesus. So he picks up the magazine and he said, I'm I'm getting it closer and closer to my face because there's this picture that looks like Jesus and some words at the bottom. And he's wondering, what's this all about? And then he realized, wait a minute, I'm in a a supermarket. There are people all around me. I'm a pastor and I'm getting this magazine of Pamela Anderson closer and closer to my face. So he said, I slammed it back in the rack and left the store hoping nobody had seen me. And he went home and got on the Internet and he uh, Googled this. And he, you know what he saw? He saw a T-shirt that said, Jesus is my homeboy. And then he realized as he watched this, we got a picture of that? Yeah, you can see that sort of. Uh, and I may tell you more about this story next week at Easter. But he began to realize there's all sorts of people around who are wearing this shirt. Very famous people besides Pamela Anderson. And there's quite a story behind this T-shirt. Then he went on to say in this chapter, just talking about who is Jesus in our country... He went on to say, I was watching MTV and there was a music video with Johnny Cash singing the uh, song by Nine Inch Nails called Hurt. And in that video was Jesus as Johnny Cash sings the song Hurt. He goes on to say, Johnny Cash and Marilyn Manson have recorded Depeche Mode's song Personal Jesus, which you may have heard. Green Day wrote a song Jesus of Suburbia. Uh, Singer Morrissey wrote a song I Have Forgiven Jesus. Bruce Springsteen has a song. I really like this song. Jesus Was the Only Son and the violet Femmes have a song Jesus walking on the water pop hip hop artist kanye west has a song called Jesus walks on and on it goes so who is jesus in our country well you can answer it any way you want but uh, there's a lot of jesus in our country he's everywhere and so it's not hard to talk to people about jesus you can say uh, you can find almost any perspective of jesus in our country now let's go on to who is jesus in the bible who is Jesus in the Bible? Well, we could spend from now until Easter answering this question, but I want to look just at Matthew. And if you have your worship folder uh, where you're taking notes, I've lost mine. I hope you're doing better than me. But anyhow, if you have that little half sheet, I want to go through several scriptures. And either as you look on the screen or you look on those notes, I want you to think about the question, who is Jesus? Okay? And let's uh, go through Matthew chapter 1 very first verses of Matthew, the angel's talking to Joseph, and he says these words. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What's the key word there? What does that say to us about Jesus? Who is he? He's the Savior, so you'd underline the word save. Now, in the same chapter, a verse or two later, it says, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will name him Emmanuel. What's the name mean? God with us. So according to that scripture, what what does that say about Jesus? He's God with us. He's Emmanuel. Okay, another scripture. Let's put up another one here. Um, What does this one say? Jesus went throughout Galilee, and it says that Jesus did three things. And throughout Matthew, Matthew teaches Jesus is this is who he is. He's a teacher. He went throughout Galilee teaching, and he went throughout Galilee preaching, and he went throughout Galilee and throughout that area healing. So Jesus is a teacher, a healer, and a preacher, according to Matthew. Who else is Jesus? Well, there's a story of the storm. When Jesus calmed the storm, the disciples were shocked and amazed. And it says they worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And so Jesus wasn't, for some people, an object of their worship. Now, another scripture. Uh, This is Simon Peter talking. He's been asked, who do you think I am? Jesus said, what do you think about me? And what's the answer that Matthew gives? Let's read this Scripture together, shall we? Matthew 16, 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He's the Messiah. And in this Scripture, as he comes into town on Palm Sunday, he's very open about that. I am the Messiah. I am the one Zechariah told about. And then finally, the last uh, section, the last chapter of Matthew When Jesus had been raised from the dead, before he went back to heaven, his disciples came around, and it says some worshipped him and some doubted. So according to the Bible, Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God who came into the world. Now, uh, who is Jesus in our church? Who do we think Jesus is? Well, let's go to one of our values. We have a list of eight values, things we believe here at First Baptist Church, and this is value number three, and I want you to read this with me, would you? We believe God rest- Would you look at the screen and read this with me? These kids are just having a great time. They're, they're fine. Let's read this together. We believe God restores our relationship through faith in Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and was raised from the dead. Therefore, we will trust Jesus and communicate the good news. And then our purpose of our church, you know this, right? The purpose of First Baptist Church is what? To make followers of Jesus who love, worship, and serve God. So, what do we believe about Jesus? The same thing the Scripture teaches about Jesus. Now, as I wrap this up today, I, I want to ask you, finally, uh, what do you believe about Jesus? Who is Jesus in your life? In your life, who is Jesus? And in that section, I've got some boxes there for you to check off. And they give some suggestions, and I'd encourage you to check off one of those today. Or there's a place you can fill that in. But as we wrap up, if if I could ask you personally, who is Jesus to you? Really? Now, boys and girls, I want you to be very quiet right now because we're just about done. And I want to tell a story. This past Thursday night, the young adults were in our home, and we had a dinner and a great Bible study together. And one of the things we were focusing on was practicing the presence of Christ throughout the day, not just when we read our Bible or pray, but how do we really experience God throughout the day? Friday morning, I was upstairs in our prayer chapel, and there's a stained glass Jesus there. He's got a red robe on. He's holding a sheep. There are sheep around him. He's holding a lamb. And I was trying to picture Jesus and just to sense God's presence with me, Jesus there. And then I thought, Steve, what if Jesus were literally here sitting in that chair across from you? Wow. And as I thought about that, I closed my eyes so I wasn't seeing anything any longer. I thought, what if Jesus were literally here? I'd like you to close your eyes. If it helps to bow your head, bow your head. But I want you to picture if Jesus were literally in a small room with you, just the two of you. He's sitting across the room from you, across a desk or a table. Jesus is there. Now, as I visioned that, I'll tell you the variety of emotions that came to me. I thought, if Jesus were literally here, I'm not sure I'd like it. What if I was in trouble? What if Jesus <laughs> went down that list of all my mistakes and failures and sins? And so there was some fear there. If Jesus was literally here, I'm not sure i enjoy that. And as I thought about that, I thought, well, what else? Couldn't I be happy Jesus is here? What would He look like? What How would I experience Jesus? What do you imagine? Uh, and I want you to think about that. How would you experience Jesus? Now, as I sat there struggling in my mind to imagine Jesus literally in that room, here's what came to me. I thought, okay, it's Friday. Next Friday is Good Friday. What if Jesus were literally here, and I know what I know now. I know all about the cross and the resurrection. But I, what if it was the Friday before the real Good Friday, and I was sitting with Jesus like the disciples? I'd be just like Peter. I'd say, Jesus, don't go. I'll stop you. I'll do what needs to be done. And then I thought, you can't do that because He has to go to the cross. And then as I thought about that, I realized, you know, if Jesus was sitting with me on the Friday before Good Friday, He would still go to the cross. Why? Because He loves me so much. And He loves you so much. And it, it caused emotion in me that just brought tears as I realized... See, Jesus is not here to get you in trouble. He loves you, and He died for you, and that's what Good Friday is about. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, just a moment of silence, who is Jesus to you? We're going to conclude our service this morning by reading a prayer of worship to Jesus. Now, I respect that you may be a guest here, and you may not be worshiping Jesus right now. But if you consider yourself one who worships Jesus, I invite you to stand with me and read this prayer. It's a prayer of worship to Jesus. It's written on your outline as well. I encourage you to take it with you. It wouldn't be a bad idea to read it every day this week. We're going to conclude our service But we have some prayer team members, and if you're on our prayer team for this morning, I invite you to come forward and stand with me. I think that in this room there are some of you who have got some needs, and you need to pray with someone. You need to have someone pray with you today. And so as we dismiss in just a moment, I invite you to come forward, and one of our prayer team members will be glad to pray with you today, to do business with God, and you will not regret praying with them. So, Jackie, come on up and stand with me if you would. And whoever else is on the prayer team. And let's lift our eyes up and read this prayer now as our worship to Jesus. I hear the question, who is Jesus? Are you a fake, a fraud, a liar, a lunatic, or Lord? By faith I say, you are Lord. You are the promised Messiah, Savior. You are the Lord Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. I believe you were born as a baby lived the best life anyone has ever lived, but still died on a cross. I believe that you went to the cross for me, for everyone, because you love me, love us so much. You went to the cross for me because I need help. I need forgiveness. I need a new heart. I believe in the dark of Easter morning, God raised you from the dead, and you are alive today. I believe that you have forgiven me totally and completely and have given me a new heart. I believe that by your Spirit you live in me and love me and I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much, Jesus. I worship you. Amen. Amen. This morning we have worshipped Jesus. And we can continue by worshiping Him through prayer. I invite you, as we dismiss, to come forward and pray. As you go, we have some refreshments prepared. And take a moment to meet some folks and greet them today. Meet our new members as well, those who have professed Christ through baptism. Don't just run off today. It's a time to fellowship with people as we begin the most wonderful week, the most important week of our year. Go forth in Christ's power. Hosanna to God. Praise God. Jesus has come. Go forth as Christ's follower and in Christ's power. Amen.